If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 29. Amen. Really excited about tonight. This is a word that God gave me a couple weeks ago and um, just been sitting on it. Hadn't felt released to preach. Almost preached it Sunday at a church, but I just didn't feel released to preach on it until tonight. So I just want to share with you something that God has put on my heart. Isaiah chapter 29, look with me at verse 13. Wherefore the Lord said, for as much as this people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips, so, sorry, if their lips do honor me, but have removed their hearts far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. Here it is that God is saying to the children of Israel, he's saying that they're close to him with their mouths, but far from him with their hearts. So here tonight, I want to talk to you about being real. I want to talk to you about being a real Christian. If you would, please bow your heads with me. Lord, I pray that you have your way here tonight. And I pray, Lord, that we will all desire to be like you, Lord. I pray that we will all desire to have a deep, intimate walk and relationship with you. And I pray, Lord, that when people look at us, they will not see us, but, Lord, that they will see your son. Have your way here tonight, Jesus. In, the mighty, in your mighty name, we pray and we ask. Amen. Being real. One problem that they had was is that these people, they... We're close to God with their mouths, and we have a lot of that going on today. People say that they love God, but however, their actions show something different. Jesus actually quoted from Isaiah in the book of Matthew and also in the book of Mark when he was referring to the, um, to the Pharisees, and because they had their traditions of men talking about washing their hands and so on and so forth, and then he was telling them that it's not about what goes into your mouth, but it's about what's in your heart. And so we have a lot of people that they get caught up in the routine, that is what happened with them. They were very much caught up in their routine. And then the next thing you know, they were just doing things the same way that they always do, did them. But one thing that we must do is that we must not fall into this, or this religious routine that simply we just come to church on Sundays and Wednesdays, but simply we cannot fall into a pattern, but we must show love to God and devotion all throughout the week. For you can be as close to God as you want to be because the Bible says in the book of James, draw near to God and his He'll draw near to you. And what we should desire is to see a real authentic move of God. But before we can desire to see that, we must have a real walk and relationship with God. And we must be real. No one likes something fake. No one likes something artificial. But simply, you want something real. If you go to Bryant-Denny Stadium or the Jordan-Hare Stadium on a Saturday and you're going to buy tickets, you want to definitely make sure that they are real. For one, if you're buying them on, day, uh, uh, on a game day, you're going have to pay more for them anyways. But the last thing you want to do is pay, say, $150 for a ticket or whatever the case may be. You walk to the gate of the stadium and they won't let you in because you find out that the tickets are fake. Simply, we want the real thing. I want a real move of God. Nothing fake, nothing super, nothing superficial about it. I've been in services before where somebody got slain in the spirit. And yes, I do believe that happens. But one lady got slain in the spirit and she happened to catch her wig on her way down. And then after a few minutes, she sat up, she looked around, saw they were still praying with people. So then she laid back out in the floor. Now see, you've got stuff like that that goes on, but then you've got times to where I can remember one time I got slain in the spirit, about 12, 1500 people in service, and I didn't get up out of the floor till about an after, after, uh, 
about an hour after service, and there were only four people standing around of a church that had 15 to 1,200 people. You see what I mean? We've got some people that think that they know how to play church and do certain things, and they know how to follow the protocol and all these other things. But friends, I want to tell you what we need is something real. Amen. People are in this earth are looking for people that have a real walk and relationship with God. There are four characteristics of a real Christian. Real, R, one that strives after righteousness. E, one that is an example. A, one that is an ambassador of Christ. And L, one that is a carrier of the light. For a moment, let's talk about the first one, righteousness. In Ezekiel chapter 14 and verse 14, in chapter 14, verse 14, it says, Those these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it. They should deliver but their own souls by their righteousness, says the Lord God. And it also talks about this in Ezekiel chapter 14 verse 20. What it was is that God was getting ready to bring judgment and he was saying that these three men, if they were around at that time, they would have saved only themselves. And in verse 20, it says they would not even be able to save their own children, but simply themselves. Why? Because of their righteousness. How many of you know and understand that one characteristic of a true Christian is one that strives after righteousness, one that tries to strive to be upright, to always try to do the right thing? Here's a question. When is doing the right thing the right thing? The, doing the right thing is always the right time to do the right thing. It doesn't matter who's looking or who's watching because the truth is, friends, God sees all and nothing is hidden from his eyes. So let's just look at these three examples. The first one is Noah. In Genesis chapter 2, I'm sorry, Genesis chapter 6, here it is that God was getting ready to send a flood and he was upset because he had even created these people. Look with me in Genesis chapter 6 verses 7 through 9. And and the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I've created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping things and the fowls of the air, for it reapeth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Listen to this verse nine. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. So here it is. You see the first example of a righteous man. Noah, he was he was was upright he was just and because of that he found grace in the eyes of the Lord and the last one it says that Noah walked with God I want to ask you do you always try to do the right thing do you clock into work on time and do you do your job while you're there and do you leave when you're supposed to or simply do you just do it half-heartedly because everybody else is doing it do you always try to do the right thing if people were to look at you would they say that that person is righteous and that person is upright or would they have something else to say? A dear man in my church, his name was Kerry Glasgow. He went on to be with the Lord last year in October. He was perfectly healthy one day. The next thing you know, he got sick. He wasn't really that old in his late 50s or 60s. And he got sick and his wife, after a few days, said, you need to go to the hospital. You're starting to lose color in your face. He went into the emergency room and then immediately, immediately, they put, they transferred him to ICU. Within a week later, he passed on to be with the Lord. 
forward. Very sad situation. It just goes to show you once again, our life is like a vapor in the wind here today, gone tomorrow. None of us are guaranteed tomorrow. But one thing that I'm reminded about Carrie Glasgow that his wife told me at his viewing was this. She said, Caleb, she said, Carrie loved you a lot. And she said, he always tried to do the right thing. Just think about that statement for a moment. This is not a friend that said this. This is not a cousin. This is his wife. For those of you young adults that are married, you'll know what I'm talking about. The person that knows you best is the one that's always with you. And so for somebody that was his wife to say he always did the right thing and he was a man of God, I believe is a very powerful testimony. And I want to tell you that's a testimony that we all should want and to desire that when we die or even while we're still living, people will look and say, that person is a person that seeks after righteousness. That is a person that is an example of what it's like to be a Christian. Amen. So the first one is Noah. The second one is Daniel. In Daniel chapter 2, here it is that Daniel is able to interpret dreams. Nebuchadnezzar is having dreams, and he calls in everyone that he can possibly think of to interpret it. He calls in all, all, all the um, magicians and different people, and no one can interpret the dream, but somebody here is a young Hebrew boy by the name of Daniel is able to interpret them. So King Nebuchadnezzar has Daniel brought to him. And so Daniel, the thing that I love about Daniel is Daniel, before he even begins to interpret the dream, the Bible says in Daniel chapter 2 verses 28 he gave God the credit before he would even interpret it he said that I do not have this wisdom on my own but simply he said it comes from God I want to ask you do you have a humble heart are you seeking to promote yourself and to talk about how good you are and all these different things or simply do you give all the glory and all the credit back to God because how many of you know and understand the Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from God Amen. We can't do anything without God. Apart from him, Jesus said, you can do nothing. Daniel was one that when he was told in Daniel chapter 6, when he was told that he was not allowed to pray anymore, he used to pray three times a day. And when the decree was entered in, what did he do? He went and he prayed just as he always did before. And God saved him out of the mouth of the lion because he sent an angel to close the mouth of the lion. When everybody else was eating of the king's meat, Daniel and his friends took a stand and simply they were not going to eat. They did not conform to the culture or what everybody else was doing, but simply they stuck out. How many of you know we're not called to fit in, but we're called to stick out? For I'm reminded of what Paul said one time in Corinthians. He said, wherefore, come out from among them. My friends, we're not supposed to fit in where everybody can see that we're the same like everybody else. We're supposed to be different. We're supposed to be a peculiar people. When people look at us, they're supposed to see the light on the inside of us, and they're supposed to see that there is something different about us than what the rest of the world has to offer. The next one talking about righteousness is a man by the name of Job. Job, in Job chapter 1, verse 1, there was a man named Job, and that man was perfect and upright, and he feared God, and he shunned evil. Job was one that did not curse God and die when he lost everything, but simply his response was, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Job was a righteous man. When Job spoke, people listened. Why was that? It's because he was a man of integrity. 
Have you ever noticed that there are some people that don't really say a whole lot, but whenever they do speak, the room gets quiet and everybody listens because they want to hear what that person has to say? But then there are other people, they talk all the time and nobody listens to them at all. (laughs) Can I tell you, a person with integrity, a person that strives after righteousness, when they speak, people want to hear what they have to say. Amen. And so we must ask ourselves, what are we striving after? We should strive after righteousness and to be like God That's what we should do. It's not popular. At times, it's not going to get you a lot of friends. But can I tell you that if you want to to find grace in in the Lord's eyes, if you want to have favor with God, is strive after righteousness. It's not that you strive after popularity. It's not that you have to rub elbows with the right person, so to speak, or come from a certain pedigree. It has nothing to do with your last name, who your parents are, how much money you have in your bank account, or any of these other things. But simply, it goes back to your walk and your relationship with God. Amen. We all mess up at times. We all make a mess of things, so to speak. But at the end of the day, God knows your heart. What does God think about you is most important. The second one, E, example. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, be ye followers of me, even as I am of Christ. If you, uh, another characteristic of a real Christian is that somebody can look at one and say that is an example. Now, of course, we'd always keep our eyes on Christ because men fail every single day and, and, and preachers fall and so on and so forth because in the, the day everybody's human. But, but one thing that we must strive to be is to be an example and to be role models, so to speak, heroes of the faith. There are different ones that we can see. There are lots of people in the Bible that have messed up. There are lots of people that have fallen down. One example I think about is Peter. Peter is one of my favorite people in the Bible. He cussed, he swore, he denied Christ three times. He was trying to, to cut a man's head, miss, cut his ear off. He did all of these things. But in John chapter 21, he had what I call his restoration moment. On the day of Pentecost, he preached and thousands of people got saved and baptized. My friends, I want to tell you that at times when you mess up, don't just stay there and lay down in the ground and think that it's all over with. But pick yourself back up, put your eyes back on Christ, refocus, and keep on keeping on. Because I want to tell you that God is calling each and every single one of you to be a leader. God is calling each and every single one of you to be an example. It doesn't matter if you have a pulpit ministry. It doesn't matter where you're at in life. It doesn't matter if you've graduated high school, if you're in middle school. Wherever you're at, you can be an example to those that are around you. Amen. God wants to use you. And he's looking for people that will just simply make themselves available. What kind of example are you setting? Because people are watching and paying attention to your life and the way that you live and the things that you do more than the things that you say closer than you can imagine. In Colossians 3 and 17, whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord, give thanks to God and the Father by him. In other words, it's saying all that you do be a, rep- be a representative of him. My friends, in all that we do, we should represent Christ. But the question is, how do you represent him? What impression do people have of Christ when they see and or talk to you? Is it a good one? Is it a bad one? Do they know that you're saved at all? A, 
We are called to be ambassadors. Paul said that he was a, he said that we are ambassadors for Christ in 2 Corinthians 5 and 20. An ambassador is an official representative of one country to another. My friends, the day that you got saved, you were called to represent Christ. Amen. Your life was no longer your own, but simply your life was to be a reflection of him. Paul said that we have a ministry of reconciliation. How many of you know and understand that Jesus reconciled all things to himself? My friends, as ambassadors, we are called to preach and to teach the word of God. We are called to get outside of the four walls and take the hope of the gospel to all those that are around us, all those that are hurting, all those that are living in despair, that have no hope, that have no joy, that have no peace, that, that really seem, it seems like that they really have no purpose to live simply because they don't know Christ. My friends, we are called to be ambassadors for the gospel. Truth be told, if we're not, who is? We've got lots of people walking around, driving around, riding their bicycles around that are being ambassadors for Allah. You have Muslims that are in prisons and every place else, and, and, and Islam is just spreading like wildfire. You have, um, you have different ones that are doing this. You have Jehovah's Witness that will come and knock on one's door. My goodness, they kept knocking on my door, and I kept telling them, please don't come back. I don't want you to come back anymore, and he went and got his twin brother and came back anyways. And I'm thinking to myself, my goodness, the, the Bible is a sword. I'm out of pull the sword out, start chopping and dicing to get these people to quit coming. But I'm telling you, there are also, um, there are also, um, what do you call uh, Mormons. They ride around bicycles and they are ambassadors for what it is that they believe. But my friends, can I tell you that we are the only ones that have the truth for Jesus said in John 14 and six, I am the way, the truth and the life and none come to the father, but it's set through me. My friends, we are the only ones that have the truth. And we all know that when you die, you will spend eternity in one or two places, either heaven or hell. And if we know that and we believe that, We've got to be passionate about spreading the gospel. Amen. And I know it's kind of tough in this day and age because you kind of got to watch what you say at work because of different laws and being fired and different things. But let me tell you, you ought to you ought to work and live in such a way on the job that people can tell you're a Christian without you even opening your mouth. Paul was very passionate about trying to get people to reconcile to Christ and about spreading the gospel. My friends, we are all called to be a part of the Great Commission. Amen. We all have the same mission, no matter what our calling or spiritual gifts might be, and that's to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not everybody can get on a plane and go to another country and share the gospel, but there's nothing from stopping us from walking across the street. L. Light. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 and 16, ye are the light of the world, a city set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do man light a candle but and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all there in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. My friends, we are the light of the world, as Jesus said, and we are surrounded by darkness. But friends, I want to tell you that when the light shines in the darkness, the darkness cannot overcome it. Amen. We have nothing to be ashamed of. We have nothing to be fearful of or to be afraid of. My friends, 
this year, 2017, I know it's February 1st, be bold. Be courageous for God. Step out of the boat and walk by faith. Try some things this year that maybe you've never done in the past. If you haven't been witnessing to people, now's the perfect time to start. Friends, I want to tell you that you can make a greater impact than what you even realize. And the devil knows that, and that's the reason why he wants to discourage you, and he wants to keep you in this little mindset and mentality that you can't ever do anything for the kingdom of God because of one reason or another. But friends, I want to tell you it's time that we all, and myself included, get off the sidelines and get into the action, into the game. I played all three sports my senior year in high school, basketball, baseball, and football. And I'll be honest, especially in basketball, I was not always the best teammate. Of course, if I was sitting on the sidelines, I was glad if my team was winning. But honestly, I kind of always had the mindset of, Coach, I'm glad that we're winning, but can you please put me in the game? Coach, I didn't go through all this, raise money. I didn't go through all the practices, run all the wind sprints, just to be sitting on the sidelines and pulling for my team. I'm just being honest. I'm like, Coach, get me in the game. We might be up by 40 points we might be losing by 60 points I want to be in the action I want to be a part of what's going on I want to contribute my friends I want to tell you if you think that Christianity is if you think Christianity is boring you don't know Jesus because can I tell you Christianity is not boring but simply it is very action filled because Jesus said go into all the world and preach the gospel everywhere friends we were not called just to work jobs we were not called just to go to school we were not not just called to sit on pews, but simply we were called to go. Amen. It's kind of funny how last year Pokemon said go. We had people walking off cliffs trying to find them. <laughs> However, though, Jesus said go thousands of years ago and nobody wants to move at all. Go is what we must do. Friends, I want to tell you that this year, I believe that we're going to see some things that we haven't seen. And I'm believing personally this year for a lot of prodigal and of sons and daughters to return home. Amen. One thing that we always hear about, and it wears on you, it probably it wears on me a lot. You know, 27, fixing to be 28 years old, so I'm a, I'm a millennial, is, is how they say it, always lumping everybody together and stuff like that. And they always talk about this generation, how bad it is, and they're going away from the church. Well, you know, at some point, we got to just quit talking about things and how bad they are and throwing a pity party. And at sometimes we got to start believing God for signs, wonders, and miracles and believing that they're going to come home. But God, use us first. Let us be examples. God, use us. Use the millennials. Use uh, you. Use those of us that are under the age of 30. Use those of us that are teenagers or, or the ones that are in middle school. God, use us to reach them and to bring them back into the house of God. Amen. I know it's not a very popular message. Can I tell you, I've been evangelizing eight, almost nine years. Can I tell you one message that people honestly don't like to hear? Truth be told, I've noticed People love when you preach on stuff like David and Goliath, you overcoming obstacles. People love it whenever you talk, whenever they talk about how Jesus put money in a fish's mouth and told Peter to go down and get it. And they hear about how God can meet a need, a financial need. People love when they hear about stuff like that. But whenever you start talking to people about doing something for the kingdom of God, nobody wants to hear that. 
Can I just tell you, it doesn't matter what church I preach in. If it's a church of God, assembly of God, a Pentecostal church, non-Pentecostal church, I have noticed over the years, anytime I talk about this message, it's never received well by the masses. Most people don't want to hear it. They wish I would sit down, shut up, or talk about something else. Why? Because they don't want to do anything. But what has happened is people have become accustomed to coming to church, paying their tithes. Pastor, I love you. I'll see you next week. Please don't ask me to do nothing. God bless you. I'll see you next week. But friends, I want to tell you, God is calling us to do something more. Please understand, this is not damning. This is not condemnation. But simply, I'm just trying to encourage you to be all that God has called you to be and to do all that God has called you to do. And I want to tell you, you can see revival break out right here at Evangelist Assembly of God in the city of Mount Olive and even surrounded. But I want to tell you, it starts with you as individuals. You were more special than you even realize. Created in the image of God himself. My friends, can I tell you, we all have different talents, different gifts. We're all a part of the body of Christ. But we only function well as a body when we are working together in unity. Amen. What are you passionate about? Passionate about spreading the gospel. This year, 2017, that's all that I want to do. Just preach the gospel. Share the gospel. I've noticed myself changing the past couple of years. Used to, God's always blessed me with a good memory. Used to in sports, I could tell you, college, pro, it didn't matter. I could tell you every statistic, who was on what team, different things and stuff. Now, I hardly even know. I was talking NBA basketball with a friend of mine, and I named a player. He said, dude, he said he played for that team four years ago. He's already on another team. I said, I had no clue. It's like slowly becoming more disconnected from the world, becoming more connected to him. Nothing wrong with fucking sports. Nothing wrong with having passions, like to go fishing, hunting, whatever it is you like to do. Nothing's wrong with that. It's good that you do those things as a stress reliever and just to unplug and unwind. And Jesus talked about rest. He said, come apart and rest for a while. Amen. You can't do anything significant for, for the kingdom of God if you're burned out all the time. But what are you passionate about? What really gets you going on the inside? Can I tell you, there is nothing, and I mean absolutely nothing better than when you see somebody that's been living in darkness, that's had chains of bondage on them for years, and they give their life to Jesus Christ. Amen. Nothing better than when somebody that's been strung out on drugs for years and have had addiction problems makes things right at the altar. And they never do that again. Amen. I want to tell you that God's getting ready to come back soon. When? None of us know. No one knows the day nor the hour. But at times we've been asleep for far too long. And it's time that we wake up again. Amen. I want to tell you that this year, I'm personally in believing for God to do some amazing things. And when I say amazing things, 
I'm talking about salvation specifically. Prodigal sons and daughters, yes. But I want to see people get saved. They've never really grown up in church. They've never really heard much about Jesus. House, can I tell you, I know we live in the Bible Belt, so everybody assumes that everybody knows a whole lot about God. But the truth be told, that's not always the case. There are people living all around us. They know about Jesus dying on the cross and things like that, but they don't know hardly anything about God or hardly anything about the Bible. Paul said in the book of Romans, how will the people know if the preacher doesn't preach? How will the people know if we don't share the gospel? Amen. Friends, I want to tell you, I just want to encourage you, just continue to be who God has called you to be. Amen. Strive after righteousness. Be an example. Be an ambassador of Christ and represent him. And the last one, be the light in the darkness. And can I tell you, you're not in this by yourself. Amen. Christian Harris, he's living up in Vermont. Y'all heard him talk about how dark it is up there. An absence of light and salt. At times, he feels like he's all alone, all by himself. Hardly any churches up there at all. Aren't you thankful that you live down here? You have your brothers and your sisters in the youth group and in the young adults that are right here with you, and you together can be the light and the salt, and you together can win people. See, I'm not telling you you have to go out there by yourself and be the light, but simply I'm telling you, get some people around you that are pursuing and chasing after God just like you are, and I want to tell you there's no limits to what you can can see. Amen. The disciples, there was nothing special about any of them. Peter and John, for example, those two, they were unlearned and uneducated, your Bible says, in Acts chapter 3. Think about the lame man that was laid at, at the gate of the temple called Beautiful. He was asking for alms. He had been lame since he was born. The people would carry him, lay him in front of the gate daily. And one day Peter and John were walking and Peter looked at him and he said, silver and gold, I have none, but what I do have, I give thee in the name of the Jesus Christ, get up and walk. And then when the Pharisees heard about it, they came and they laid hands on them and they threatened them and they told them, they said that you are not to speak in this name anymore. And Peter being full of the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter three, he told them that they're going to keep preaching anyways. But friends, I want to tell you that the Bible says that they looked at them and saw that they were unlearned, but that they had been with Jesus. Can I ask you a question? Can people tell that you've been with Jesus? I want to tell you, it doesn't matter about all these other things or the pedigrees, but simply if you want to do anything for God, you must get along with Jesus Christ. You must have a walk and personal relationship with him. Can I tell you that what your parents did cannot save you? The Bible in Ezekiel chapter 14 and 20, it says those three righteous men could not have even saved their own kids when God would have brought judgment upon the land if they were there at that time but by their own righteousness friends I want to tell you a lot of you have grown up in church your whole life a friend of mine was on staff listen to this a friend of mine was on staff at a 500 member plus church for years and he didn't get saved until after the fact can I tell you we got people living in churches and coming to churches that don't know God do you know him have you fallen in love with him can I tell you, Jesus can radically change your life. 
But let us not be too busy trying to do things for him and his kingdom that our own lives suffer as well. Make God first and everything else will fall into place. And can I just tell you that honestly, as you fall in more in love with God, you'll have a desire for these things. The desire will grow greater to read your Bible, to pray. And I know you do it now, but I'm, I'm just simply saying even more. It's kind of like the, the closer you get with God, the more you feel you have to pray, not out of obligation, but simply because your soul longs for it. Amen. The closer you get to God, the more you can't help but to tell people about him. Because let's just be honest. What's the best thing that ever happened to you? God saving your soul. Amen. Nothing's better. If you will, please stand. I'm ready to close. Amen. Be real. Be a real Christian. Desire to be everything that God has called you to be. It's not impossible. It's not too hard. It may be unpopular, but you'd rather have favor with God than favor with man. And I'm just telling you from personal experience. Be real here tonight. And can I tell you this? You can be real with God at all times. Amen. Be real with him in prayer. Tell him about your hurts, your struggles, your trials, your tribulations. Tell him about whatever it is that you were going through. There's nothing wrong with talking to other people. But friends, I want to tell you, you can get real with God because God loves you. He cares about you. And he knows about everything that you're going through. Amen. First Peter 5, 7, cast all care upon him because he cares about you. Amen. Be real with God. Because the truth is, he already knows. Here tonight, I just want to open up the altars. And I just want to invite you to come and just to pray and just seek God. And I know y'all have a sweet spirit here at this church. And I just want to encourage you, just continue to keep your eyes on Christ. And do what he's called you to do. Amen.